Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Way back in the summer of 2011, that's eight years ago, people, Time Magazine had a cover story on shore wars and how this was a problem in many marriages. So fast forward to today, eight years later, and it seems like nothing has changed. A May 4th piece that appeared in the New York Times and various posts that pop up on Facebook are bringing or actually keeping this topic front and center. The result? Defensive men and angry, resentful women. Now, that's a recipe for marital disaster in my book. So after writing what I thought was a pretty effective article on how to solve the dreaded chore wars problem back in 2011, I'm really curious as to why what should be a pretty straightforward solution is being missed. So to help me address this puzzle, I've asked Vicki Larson. She's the founder of the OMG Chronicles blog and the co-author of the new I Do, Reshaping Marriage for Skeptics, Realists, and Rebels. Love that title. To help unpack this. So, Vicki, thanks so much for coming back on the show and revisiting this topic. <laughs> well, Leslie, thank you so much for having me on the show, and I'm sorry that we have to actually revisit this topic. <laughs> but how? <laughs> so you kind of, I mean, part of why, why I asked you to come back on is because you wrote a blog piece, tackled the issues that they raised in the New York Times piece in a post that you titled, Stop Assuming Your Husband Will Do His Fair Share. And I'm about ready to write another piece entitled, Husbands, Stop Helping Around the House. And before we get into why those titles mean something other than what most people think, How would you define this ongoing problem, this chore wars issue, this what is going on? Well, uh, (laughs) I wish I had the key uh, definitive answer to that, um, except that um, what seems to happen is that I think couples, even young couples, have the best of intentions to... um, split chores and uh, equally. I, I think they really do, especially, mm-hmm. you know, uh, young people nowadays. They've heard so much about this and really are much uh, conscious about the way they want to shape their relationships. And then kids come along and uh, yeah. no one's really prepared <laughs> for that. And that is when the gender divide happens. And it happens pretty quickly, like as soon as the baby is born. Um, and then it falls into this, what women do and what men do, even when they don't really want to fall into those gendered patterns. It just kind of happens. And before they know it, they're stuck in it. And very often the women are not happy in it. Right. And, you know, and and I always tell people, you know, babies come with a lot to do, but they don't come with any more time. And so, you know, the way I look at it, something has to give. And it's really hard because, especially in the early days, um, 
when babies are first born, nobody knows what to do. I mean, you know, I was 33 when I had my first child and I babysat and I'd had a younger brother. I mean, I'd been around babies, so it wasn't like it was a complete mystery. But when they're yours 24-7 and you're exhausted, it's a whole nother thing. Uh, <laughs> right. And, yes. and my husband was, was, you know, my husband was very helpful. Um, but especially in this country, you don't get a whole lot of time to, you know, kind of get your feet under you before you're thrown back into the work world, whether, whether you're a mom who works outside the home or whether you're a dad who works outside the home or heaven forbid, both of you work outside the home. Cause that just creates even more problems. And it, it seems like it's just, everybody's being set up for failure. Well, we're still in a society and a workplace that assumes that there is someone at home and a, like the breadwinner homemaker model, we're still kind of set up for that, even though that isn't the reality anymore. Um, and of course, uh-huh. it's often seen as quote unquote, the best way, the natural way. It's what I think people who want to make America great again, imagine it to be there. <laughs> They're putting on rose glasses to the fifties, which was really an anomaly in the way families raised children for many, many, for, for eons, their families had uh-huh. help. They had help. And um, families today don't have help. And that, of course, is a much bigger issue for another day. But that is part of the problem. And if you don't, oh, or they have to hire help, which, um, uh-huh. which um, will alleviate some problems, but then it gets into social justice issues because generally they're women women of color, poorly paid, and right. that's a whole other thing. But, um, yes, so we're not set, we're living in a society that is not really, that doesn't, it seems to be ignorance of the fact that um, people have children, men and women, and, that, <laughs> and we, have to, um, we have to do some things about that uh, if we're going to say families are the backbone of society. Okay, well, we really need to... Um, Help those families. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I made a I made a promise to myself a long time ago, and so far it's never I've never been called upon to use it. But I had sworn to myself that the next time I heard somebody tell me that the children are our future or it's all about the children, I was going to call them on that because those are nice words, but the society isn't actually set up that way. Um, right. Because. Yes, families would, there would be much more support because we're, I mean, there are still some families that have multi-generations and whatever, but I was hundreds of miles away from both my mother and my mother-in-law. I had one sister who was probably, you know, she was on the other side of the state that I lived in. I mean, there was nobody when I had my son who, who was part of a support system. Um, and luckily, you know, luckily my husband had a boss who didn't really care when he came into work. It's just like, come in, get your work done. I don't care if you're here at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> just get it done. Right. So my husband was able to be around, but that's not the normal thing. And so, you know, I think this chore wars issue, and maybe um, this is the next thing to talk about, is it's more a symptom of the problem than necessarily the problem itself, although it is a real issue. Um, 
because I think what, you know, the, I don't know whether it's true because I hear um, varying statistics and, you know, we know about, we know about statistics. <laughs> we can always yeah. find statistics to support whatever we're trying to say. But the idea that um, women, especially women who work outside the home, work a full-time job outside the home and then have another full-time job when they come home, and then there's also this other idea that if you actually sat down and went hour by hour, of course, I'd really love to see the statistic, you know, what, what this was, that men actually work away from home more often and that it balances it out. So are we just kind of playing games with the numbers as opposed to not actually going after what's happening in, in couples' homes? Um, you know, if we're thinking that everything is going to be 50-50 exactly, um, that's a problem. Mm. Um, it isn't really 50-50. It's that the couple talks about what it is that they're doing and want to do and are able and willing to do. And if that is discussed and that is agreed upon and stuck to, um, then it doesn't really make a difference whether it's 60-40 or 70-30 or any numerical combination you want to come up with. Uh It's that that no one's feeling um, that he or she is doing more and unfairly. Uh uh, You know, what we want really is for couples to be able to come to a mutually uh, agreeable situation, no matter what it is, even if it's 95-5, just that it's the choice that they're doing it, they're agreeing about it, they're sticking to it, someone isn't sliding back and then someone has to nag or remind Uh or cajole. Um, And I think that kind of becomes an issue, at least what I read, is that um, very often, and I, I hate to sound like I'm dissing men, I'm, I'm the mother of two uh-huh. wonderful young men, <laughs> and uh, and so it's I don't have an anti-men thing at all. It is often that men make um, they just can sort of slide away and get away with um, well, not get away. They can sometimes not really be fully aware of all of the details that is involved in a household and having and raising children and can, you know, on the weekend, you know, he's home from work and off on a bike ride, not even aware that here are some certain things that have to happen. And women generally just don't do that. They don't stop their work week and on Saturday morning go off and go, all right, I'm taking a mountain bike ride. I'll be back around 2 in the afternoon. <laughs> now, maybe they should. <laughs> well, maybe they should. Exactly. However, so, you know, that kind of gets into a – there's an assumption there that um, it's okay. So in Darcy Lockman's book, um, All the Rage – Mothers, Fathers, and the Myth of Equal Partnership, which just came out, she talks about this kind of um, men being kind of resistant to the deep, the little minutiae that need to happen. And that I found was super interesting um, that they're just uh, kind of resistant to the idea that um, they need to do something and it is it, it, when, you know, they're 
not really paying attention to everything and and they're maybe they're looking at it also going I don't want to do it she'll she's got it so um, well yeah I mean and that's that that brings into one of the psychological dynamics of the underfunctioner and the overfunctioner which by the way they're they're a, they're a pairing you cannot have one without the other so if there's if somebody's underfunctioning and and in many cases it's perceived or maybe in reality it is the man um, then, you know, he can't be an underfunctioner without that overfunctioner. And the interesting thing is, is that the hardest, the more challenging person to change is the overfunctioner, not the underfunctioner. And so, which, yeah. you know, but, but it is, you know, and, and, and again, I, I hate to generalize just like you, because, you know, my husband, anytime I do this, he goes, okay, male bashing pay up. And it's like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not bashing males. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because my son, who I love dearly, um, is a little bit more like me in being an indifferent housekeeper, although it was pretty funny. One, one day he was complaining about the, the state of the kitchen floor because he was walking around barefoot. <clears throat> and I said, well, you know where the vacuum cleaner is. And he went and got the vacuum cleaner and, and vacuumed because it wasn't bothering me because I was wandering around the house in shoes. But, um, uh-huh. you know, I, I actually feel very sorry for whatever woman ends up with him because he, at least when he was at home, he, his room was basically a disaster, a tornado. And I basically, you know, my husband wanted him to pick it up. I said, that's not a battle I'm willing to have with him. You want to have that battle? Go ahead. As long as it's not, you know, coming out into the public part of the house, if that's the way he wants to live, I'm not going to go in there. But then I didn't do his laundry either. So that was, you know, it's like I wasn't, you know, he had to do his own laundry. So, I mean, it is these ideas about, you know, is it that men are resistant or are they, or is it the way they're being approached? Um, you know, that, you it, know. Um, it could be a lot of things. And also we have to look at how our children are being raised if they, if they grew up in a very traditional mom stays home or mom does the cleaning and the cooking and this and that. And, you know, that is, that's a model. And also I think just to be clear right now, what we're talking about is heterosexual couples in same, like that's true. In, with, with, with gay, with lesbians, um, they share, even if one person does the chores and the childcare more than the other, which does happen, um, mm-hmm. it is discussed and, and also because it isn't gendered, <laughs> there isn't the same societal right. expectations, judgments and whatever. And let's be honest, um, there is being a parent now, there's the, the aunties have been upped and there's a really high bar of being a good mother and the good father nowadays, yes. there's in this social media uh, time that we live in, <clears throat> and it's very pressured, high maintenance parenting, which in parenting wasn't even a word. It was, you just were a parent. Parenting is a new, like, that's what, right. where did it's parenting a verb come now. from? Yes, it is. Right. And, and a lot of that, I think, exacerbates the situation for couples that, uh, you know, I, I wish 
couples were a lot more chill well, about that. Well, yeah, of course, this also goes all the way back to Freud, and it's the mother's fault. So, you know, it's like right. this has been going on for the, you know, this, this whole gender, you know, everything's the mom's fault. Um, but, again, I think, we've, I think we've upped the ante a little bit about that. Um, I just want to remind people that this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with the co-author of the book, The New I Do, Vicki Larson, about the ongoing battle of household chores and the impact on marriages. And if this is an issue in your household that just seems to be coming up and coming up over and over again, and you're tired of dealing with it, take heart. There's an answer. And if you're interested in learning both how to resolve it and repair the damage it has created in your relationship, I can help. So give me a call or shoot me an email and take advantage of my free, no obligation, create your happily ever after transformation session. You can reach me at area code 919-924-0463, or you can send me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching and is in nancy c is in charlie.com and i want to get back to this conversation about chores and what they mean and i'm going to go back to the titles of our articles um so can you explain vicky what the mistake is by assuming a husband will do his fair share <laughs> well you know what they say about assuming. I can't say it here, but you can break uh-huh. that mood apart. <laughs> so assumptions, oh, yeah. yeah, assumptions are really dangerous, uh, no matter what you're assuming. Uh, mm-hmm. Because what we really want, especially in our intimate relationships, is clarity. And so I, 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 I was playing with the idea of if you, if you want clarity and you want to have a partner who is more equal with you in whatever it is, um, you can't assume. Uh-huh. You have to actually yes. discuss. You have to not only discuss. You mean, you have, which, you mean we have to talk about it? <laughs> we have to talk about it. You know, I don't know how many times we hear from any article we're reading about, uh, you know, relationships or marriages, and they say communication is key, communication is key, and yet I'm not sure why this is not being fully communicated. And and actually, I, I think that people do talk about it, and then they find themselves sliding back into older teens. So the reason why I said to assume that, you know, don't assume, because I don't think we really want assumptions in anything when it comes to a romantic relationship, especially if you're living with that person and you're raising children with that person. Assumptions Uh will lead into dangerous, unhappy areas that we don't want to go to. We want to not assume. Yes. And we want to really have that discussion. Hey, so we both want children and we both work, how are we going to make this work? How do you see us yeah. creating uh, a situation where we're both going to this and that? And, and you don't just have one conversation. 
You have many. You have many. And you keep, and as I think you know, um, I'm very big on creating a relationship or marital contract in which not only do you talk about it, but you write it down. And that becomes the baseline. And then you revisit it. And you write it down because what you really want is your partner and yourself to hold each other and yourselves accountable. Yes, I agreed to that. And we, now we're finding ourselves doing something different. What happened? Why, why exactly. did you off course? And how maybe that was unrealistic. Maybe we need to rethink it now that we've experienced what it's like. And um, it, it takes away any misunderstanding that can happen and unrealistic expectations of what we think will happen. Well, and I think that's so important because and you, you, you talked about this before. And, of course, we all have kind of in, you know, it, it's, it's background noise, but it's not just noise. It's actually real that we have these experiences growing up. You know, I tell people that, you know, our mothers and our fathers are our are, are first teachers, examples of what's a man, what's a woman, what's a husband, what's a wife, what's a mother, what's a father. That's what we learn by osmosis, by, by being in our household. And that sticks with us. And, right. you know, in, in, without making a conscious choice to do something different, that, that's mm-hmm. the fallback position and going back, you know, so it's, do I want to do this? But, you know, um, I remember my mother-in-law uh, when she would come to visit and my, and my husband who was a, very active with the kids. In fact, um, he, he was actually in charge of the bedtime routine. So when he would travel, I would be like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, it's their bedtime. I, I mean, because I, it, w- I, it was just completely I wasn't paying any attention because he handled it. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's also what happens when women handle things. Like, I, you know, I, I was telling you before we went on air, you know, I used to joke that because I was in charge of the kids' extracurricular activities. I mean, my husband knew about them, but I was the one who you know, had the logistics. I used to joke that if I got hit by a bus, he'd never find the kids. Um, because that was something he didn't have to actively think about, you know, and I mean, he knew where their school was. I mean, you know, he was, he was involved, but, but he didn't have to have all of the details. And yes, like, so bedtime routine, it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to do this. Um, you know, because it's not front and center and we fall back into those old positions that, you know, my, my mother-in-law used to say, well, you know, my father-in-law would never do those things. And I said, yeah, because he didn't have to, but we do. We, we have this discussion about yeah. who's going to do what. Um, and and right. it shifted over the years based on the age of the kids and his job and my job. I mean, it, it, it's not static. And I think that, that, that the idea of actually putting it in writing is so important because when people have a discussion and they walk yes. away, they don't necessarily think they've agreed to what the other person thinks they've agreed to. Because it's, I mean, but if it's written down, it's like, okay, here is what we are agreeing to. Then there's no confusion. Right. It's, yes. it's literally there in black and white. Yes. Uh, yes. And, you know, um, 
you know, it's 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 great to kind of tag team. That's part of the beauty of being <laughs> a two-person household is that you don't have to do everything. This person can do that, oh my gosh, and yeah. that person can that. But um, and that works out really well. It's only when uh, it's it's kind of falling mostly on one person who doesn't want it to all fall on him or herself. That's the key. Exactly. If one person wants to do it, uh, uh, that's wonderful. Uh, so, um, so that needs to be acknowledged that some people actually do want to do it. It matters to them and they they do it mm-hmm. happily and that's their arrangement. So that's, that's great. Uh, you know, <laughs> I I wrote a post a while ago um, about, you know, if you really want to stay married, get divorced, because what a lot of (laughs) what I noticed and what a lot of other women noticed was that once they became divorced and they had 50-50 co-parenting arrangements, so my former husband physically had our children for a week and then I had them for a week, Um, he, you know, had to know what was going on in their lives and make dentist appointments and or take them or if there was a birthday party he had to like buy the gift and wrap it and take the kid in other words he became much more wrapped up in what i was doing when he didn't Uh have to do it and um a lot of men become much better hands-on fathers when that happens. And uh, so I don't want to And you know my ha- feeling about that, that I would rather them learn how to do that without having to get divorced. Exactly. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not promoting divorce, and- but the thing is, if, if, if it's able to happen in that situation, it's able to happen within a marriage where you're living together or even if you live apart from each other it's able to happen right. and the, and and you have to just make sure that it does happen and the way to make sure is to not assume to talk mm-hmm. and to hold each other accountable on what is agreed to and if well and I, yeah go ahead no but, I, I mean I yeah. like that be, be, because you know I mean my, my husband lived on his own. He did not come straight from his mother's house. He was on his own. He, he knew how to cook. He knew how to take care. He knew how to do laundry. He knew how to take care of himself. He, you know, and, and I was joking about my son. He actually knows how to do laundry and he knows how to cook. And obviously he knows how to run a vacuum cleaner. Um, you know, so if these people have been living on their own, then they have been functioning on some level on their own. And so it's more like sitting down and talking about what needs to be done and not becoming an overfunctioner, not, you know, automatically picking up somebody's socks off the mm-hmm. floor. <laughs> or, right. You know, um, you know the, the prototypical, you know, where are my clean socks? It's like, I don't know, did you do the laundry? <laughs> yes. But the yes. assumption is that it would be this person's job versus that person's job. It's like, well, who did the laundry when you lived by yourself? Kind of what you're saying, that when people get divorced, you know, I mean, there is there is the challenge of you don't have any say in what goes on in, the, in your ex's household, which 
has created some challenges for some of my clients, but, um, but it's this idea that, that they, you know, that people are competent, they can learn. So I guess it's a question of how do we invite them to learn or how do we invite them to step into it? Um, right. And that, and that gets back to what we were talking about, that there's no assumptions that mm-hmm. she's going to be the one to do it or he's going to be the one to do that. Um, it's just what you want is clarity. I, when Susan and I were doing research for our book, uh, what we found over and over is that couples who had matched expectations were more satisfied in their relationships, no matter what it was, even if it was, you know, a covenant marriage or what, no matter their arrangement, right. they just, they didn't assume they, they both agreed to what was going to happen and what they were going to be doing. And, and then they were, they were they found a mutually satisfying relationship, and I think that's what all of us really want. That's what we want. We want to feel heard, respected, acknowledged, and loved in our romantic partnerships. And there is a way to make that happen. It just has to. You, it just needs some clarity. No one has to get married nowadays. Right. No one has to have children. No one has. <laughs> it's right. It's, so we're making choices. Right. It's, it's, mm-hmm. and, and, and we need to just carry through with those choices to say, this is how the household is going to be run. And we're both agreeing to that. And we're choosing how it's going to be done and just work from there. Well, and, and exactly, and, I, and the expectations, the assumptions, I call assumptions the gremlins of relationships, um, mm-hmm. because if I'm making an assumption or if I have an expectation of you and you either don't know about it or aren't on board with it and therefore it's not going to happen, then that's going to create the problem. Um, and it's, you know, because... Um, I have the expectation that my partner is going to do something. I could be sorely disappointed if he's not on board with doing that or vice mm-hmm. versa. You know, um, I mean, my husband would, he, he does these things where, where he, he'll hit the limit. He'll go, okay, the house is a mess. We need, we need to clean it up. Okay. Which is fine. And I said to him, it's like, well, I'm more than happy to clean up the house just not right at this moment because I'm doing something else. So if you want to do it right now, you're going to be doing it on your own. If you want my help, then we need to do it in a couple of hours or whatever it is. You know, I used yeah. to call it, you know, because it's like, you, you know, that was, the, you know, that was the, the expectations. Like the expectation was I was going to jump up. It's like, Oh no, I'm not. I, I'm happy to, ha- I'm happy to, to work on this with you. I'm happy to do my part, I'm just not going to do it right now. And I think that's another thing that gets people um, that expectation that because I'm ready to do it, you're going to be on board. Mm, Right. Sometimes, you know, but again, that's the kind of thing that if we have a contract that says, you know, Saturday before we go play, 
we we do the work around the house that we need to get to get done and that work includes these you know these five things <laughs> and yes. then we can go play so then we can go on the you you know we we can go on the bike ride or go play tennis or go to the movies or watch the game or whatever the heck it is we want to do go shopping whatever we've you know but that's something we've agreed to right right yeah and that's you know and and that's what we want agreement <laughs> yeah Right. No arguments, and, you know, no resentments, no frustrations, just clarity, agreements, and, and then keeping those agreements and not sliding back. Yeah. Right. And, then, and, and, and also revisiting them when what I consider like, you know, a major, you know, a major life change. So we're moving or somebody has a different job or we have a child or we have another child or, you yeah. know, we bring in, you know, and we have to revisit these things um, because they're yeah. not cast in stone. Nope. And, no, you know, and, yes, and, exactly. You know, and I love that idea of the contract. So can you tell people more about where they can follow you, where they can get your book? Um, all that wonderful yes. information. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, and thank you so much, um, I do have a blog, OMG Chronicles, and I post a new blog post every Tuesday morning. So you can join me there where I generally tackle um, issues that are happening uh, in the media. Um, I'm also very active on Twitter at OMG Chronicles. I'm on Instagram as well, but I'm just... And I'm Facebook, but I'm silly on Facebook, so don't expect much meat there. Um, <laughs> and um, and then our our book, uh, the new I do, reshaping marriage for skeptics, realists, and rebels, can be found at your local independent bookstore um, and also places like Amazon. Um, and uh, I am always. Uh, open to have people contact me and chat about whatever it is that they want to talk about. Um, my goal is to help couples or people, individual people too, um, mm-hmm. have the most authentic and satisfying life that they want and to help them fight whatever um, images they have in their head of stereotypes of what a woman or a man should or shouldn't do and just be their most authentic person and to help them find a life that, uh, that will uh, allow them to live that way. And I could not agree more. And, you know, today we've been talking about marriage and marriage is both a legal and emotional contract. And for too many people, those terms, the terms of their contract are vague and ill-defined. So even if you and your partner truly desire an egalitarian relationship, do you know what that means and how it will play out in your everyday life? It's not completely realistic to account for every possible life scenario, but leaving things to chance, assumptions, and expectations is a recipe for disaster. So what areas of your marriage would be helped if you had a more formal written contract? And what would it take to get you to write one? So um, Vicki's book can help and keep listening to this show because you'll also get some more ideas. And until next week, stay loving.